Hello, it's David here. If you're returning to The Leader, maybe you should subscribe. That way you never miss out on our news, interviews and analysis every day at 4pm. And it would be great if you could tell others about us. Use the hashtag The Leader Podcast on social media. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Matt Hancock doesn't know how many of his own staff are working from home. And it shone a spotlight on the rather awkward and embarrassing sort of secret that in Whitehall, only about one in seven desks contain the usual occupant. Our political editor, Joe Murphy, says the health secretary's admission is undermining government efforts to get people back to the office. And... Half a million people flee Louisiana and Texas as Hurricane Laura touches ground. We speak to Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the Health Secretary's homeworking admission. 
Our political editor Joe Murphy's here. Joe, what's been the reaction at Westminster to Matt Hancock's comments? In fact, David, there's been something of a deafening silence from number 10, where the Prime Minister obviously has been urging people to get back to work. Um, But he's not commenting on what Matt Hancock said. The biggest reaction is coming from Tory MPs who are concerned that city centres all across the country, but especially the big London powerhouse, are like ghost towns. So we've had the former Cabinet Minister, Theresa Villiers, telling us that really the government ought to be leading by example and getting its own staff back to their desks. And Sir Charles Walker, who is the vice chair of the infamous Men in Grey Suits, the 1922 committee, he says he wants ministers to get a grip on Whitehall and make the point that getting people back to their desks is vital because that is what will get the economy moving again and spread the wealth that people can earn around to more people and in turn generate more wealth. It does feel a bit like the government once again muddling its messaging during the coronavirus pandemic because if you've got the health secretary saying he doesn't care how many people are in the office so long as they get the job done, what message is that sending to bosses who are trying to get people to go into the office? Exactly. As one MP said to me, this is confusing the message and it shone a spotlight on the rather awkward and embarrassing sort of secret that in Whitehall, only about um, one in seven desks uh, contain um, the usual occupant because civil servants are working from home. And you might say, well, why shouldn't they? Well, it's just awkward for ministers to preach to everybody else, get into London, support the economy, while saying to their own staff, it doesn't matter where you work. Now, Joe, of course, the reason Mr Hancock was doing the media rounds today is because he's been talking about this new payment that's going to be given to people on low incomes who need to self-isolate and can't work from home in areas with a high incidence of COVID-19. But there are claims that that's too low. It's just £13 a day extra, isn't it? Yes, it hasn't gone down awfully well. Labour council leaders in the areas where it's going to be trialled are saying it's a slap slap in the face for people. Um, Matt Hancock did point out that this is not the income that they are to live on, this uh, £13 a day, um, but it's extra on top of their usual um, support from the benefit system to try and make it easier for people to stay at home and not go to work spreading the disease. Um, And he also gave a a slight hint that this is a trial period and if it has to be adjusted, it it could be. Next. There's always those brave souls out there that uh, decide to... uh test mother nature and see if they can wait it out. Louisiana journalist Jeff Palermo as Hurricane Laura rips into the state. Hurricane Laura hit Louisiana with 150 mile per hour winds this morning, the strongest storm seen in the US for more than a century. As the day's gone on, it's been downgraded from a Category 4 to a Category 2, but the danger to property and life continues. It's expected the storm centre will stay at hurricane strength as it passes through northwestern Louisiana. Well, Jeff Palermo, who's the news director at the Louisiana Radio Network, is with me. And first of all, Jeff, 
how are you holding up through this? Well, I'm in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is about uh, a little over two hours west of Lake Charles, which is basically uh, ground zero for Hurricane uh, Laura. So southwest Louisiana where, is where we're seeing, obviously, the uh, most extensive damage. How bad is that damage, Jeff? What kind of reports are you getting? Well, uh, there's good news and bad news. Uh, I guess let's maybe start off with the bad news. The structural damage is quite severe. We had maximum sustained winds of 150 miles per hour when the hurricane made landfall around 1 o'clock this morning in southwest Louisiana. I mean, that's one of the uh, highest recorded wind speeds for a hurricane when making landfall. I mean, we've seen some Category 5 hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico, but a uh, Category 4 making uh, landfall is uh, quite rare. In, uh, you, a lot of times you see these storms um, lose a little bit of strength as they approach the coastline, but uh, Hurricane Laura was quite different in that. It, it kept gaining strength as it was approaching Louisiana's coastline. So it was a powerful storm. Uh, Lake Charles is the biggest city that is right there. The parish, or where we call them counties, there's about 200,000 people that live there that uh, were asked to evacuate. Uh, and they had uh, in excess of uh, over 100 mile per hour winds for at least a couple of hours today, so or early this morning. So uh, I've spoken with someone there at the scene, and they tell me the downtown area, every building has some sort of structural damage. There's casinos there, and uh, part of the roof uh, blew off a casino. We do have a fatality as well. Um, I would say about 35, 40 miles north of Lake Charles. Uh, in a rural area of Louisiana, a tree fell down on a home, killing a 14-year-old girl. Now, I told you there was some good news. Heading into the storm, the, the warnings were very dire. The National Hurricane Center had talked about a storm surge of 20 feet, and that water would um, make it all the way uh, 40 miles inland from the uh, Gulf of Mexico. The storm surge did not get to uh, 20 feet. It was more like 10, 12 feet is the most we're hearing, the governor has said about half of that. So that's good. Um, I mean, there's still going to be some areas that are flooded in low-lying areas, but I don't think we're going to see the extensive flooding that we were anticipating with this storm. But the cleanup uh, from all the structural damage will take weeks, if not months, to repair. Did people leave the area ahead of the storm, or did they decide, I'm, I'm going to stay through this and see if we can get through this? There's always those brave souls out there that uh, decide to uh, test Mother Nature and see if they can wait it out. And, and yes, there, there, there were a few people, but this same part of the state got hit with a massive hurricane uh, 15 years ago on the heels of Hurricane Katrina. And many people in that area remember Hurricane Rita and just how devastating that storm was. So I think a good percentage, uh, I think about 80, 85% of the people uh, and who knows, maybe even 90% got out of Dodge. Uh, they got out of there, um, and that's a good thing because they, they probably saved their lives. Uh, the biggest concern was the flooding. With uh, hurricanes, you know you're going to get the wind damage. Uh, that's common, but will you see uh, the, the massive flooding that we've seen with some hurricanes? Because that's when you end up possibly getting stranded. And uh, as um, the National Hurricane Center out of Miami had told us, the storm surge we were in anticipating was unsurvivable. That if, if, if the water came crashing in and came up to your roof, there was no way you were going to be able to escape it. 
it looks like we didn't have that to the degree that we were anticipating. Maybe some homes were saved that way, but still, uh, there's a lot of roofs, a lot of trees down, a lot of damage. But yeah, I, I think a lot of people here in Louisiana are certainly wary of storms. And uh, it's good that they they listened to local officials and decided to evacuate. Now, as I understand it, it's not going away anytime soon. And the eye of the storm, the center of the storm, is going to remain at hurricane level. As it passes northwest Louisiana, are people worried about how it's going to hit those areas too? Yeah, certainly. There is a good thing with this as well, though. Uh, the, the track that it's taking is a, a lot of rural areas, uh, actually some beautiful parts of, of our country. Toledo Bend, which is one of the best fishing lakes uh, in the country, the, the hurricane's going right over that right now. So some very rural areas. We're not looking at heavily populated areas. Uh, the, the next city that's uh, really heavily populated is Shreveport, and they're not accustomed to getting hurricane force winds in their neck of the woods. Um, so they're about ready to get uh, what looks to be a category one storm to hit them. Oh, probably in the next couple hours, they're already starting to feel effects of it. Um, but so yeah, we're, we're looking at some damage. Uh, I, I think in Louisiana, last time I looked, uh, over 300,000 people are without power. And again, to me, that's always one of the biggest stories with the hurricanes is that, uh, you know, the TV guys always love getting that coverage of being there on the coast when the hurricane comes in. And, and that's fun and all, and that's, that's interesting to watch. But how society reacts to not having power, <laughs> not having internet, not having air conditioning in 90-degree heat, that to me is always the real story of a hurricane. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be battling that uh, for the rest of this week and into next week and, uh, you know, into September as well. Historically for Louisiana, it always seems like the last week of August is when we get our major hurricane. And again, that has happened. Uh, the 15th year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina is this weekend. And usually we can never really do any kind of anniversary or uh, memorial type things because we're preparing for a hurricane or we're recovering from a hurricane. It's interesting that if we're going to get a big storm during the hurricane season, it's going to come the last week of August. And that's what happened again here this time. And that's the leader. You can keep up with all the latest developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.